But I, I want to bring your attention to this one truth. The difference between people who are gifted and people who are, are anointed is that God would take what is natural to everybody and he'll make it supernatural. So if you're a musician in this house, if you have a musician that has visited this church, you have a gift of music. You have a gift to express music, whether you're an artist, you have a gift to express your art, your painting. What matters at the end of the day is not the reward that you receive, but the transformation that happens because of your gift. A lot of times musicians want to do something in order to become someone so that they can get something. Whether it's money or the applause of man or whatever it is. But most times in the kingdom of God, we do it, we express ourselves, whether musically or, or through any form of gifting, because we believe that through our gifting, God would use our gift. He will superimpose himself upon our gift. So what is natural to us, he makes it supernatural. So which means if I have a gift to sing, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, when the Holy Spirit comes upon me when I sing, he takes what is natural. I can go out and make money by singing, but it'll change no one because I've received my reward. <laughs> it brings absolutely no transformation. But if you were to stand in, in a mall and take your guitar and just start singing, and people walking by, you don't put out your guitar hoping that you would get some money out of it, guitar case. But you just stand there and you just sing. It doesn't matter what you sing, you just sing. The spirit of God, the gift of God that is in you, will every person that is walking past you, every person that looks at your artwork, every person that even comes into the, into the circumference of the, the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life will be changed. There is something upon us as children of God that has the ability to change people around us. Transformation is the result of worship. Transformation is the fruit, so to say, of our ability to um, express our gift under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Am I preaching to someone today? Right. I remember this uh, story about that Bill Johnson really um, spoke about in, in a closed setting, and he was talking about his son, uh, and his son really had a heart, that's Brian, he had a heart for, for people who are lost, and he would worship in church, and, and he would lead worship in church, and it wouldn't, he, wouldn't, he wasn't feeling that God was on it, so he took his guitar and went to the mall. It's the closest mall. He took his guitar, and he started playing in, in the mall, and he started just worshiping, singing. And every person that walked past him would take out his cigarettes from his pocket, would drop it, and would fall down on their knees and give their lives to Jesus. 
they would take out their drugs from their pockets and they would leave it on the floor. Now we're just talking about music because that's, I'm, a, I'm a musician, I love music. And it's what God has given to me as a gift. See, a lot of times we look at music and we say it only has to be in church. God so loved the world that he gave his son. He didn't just love the church so that the son can remain in the church. This church creates the perfect environment for you to grow so that we can export you to the world. Not for a benefit or a reward so that we can make money out of you, but so that God can bring transformation in the world through our gifts. Amen. So it doesn't matter. It's just music is an example. You can be an IT manager. <laughs> you can be a mom. Stay at home, mom. No, I didn't mean stay at home. You know what I mean. If you're st- stay at home, mom, you can, you can really use the gift of, of being a a representation of God to your children. There's an anointing on that right now for mothers and fathers to represent God the Father to their children. It's falling in the room. I'm telling you. So when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, He makes you souped up. Supernatural. How many of you love um, the, the movie... Gone in 60 seconds. Gone in 60 seconds. Oh, wow. You guys need to watch movies, man. I'm telling you. God speaks to me through movies. I don't know about you. Gone in 60 seconds. It's about a guy. It's not about robbing cars, okay? Just, it's not about that. It's about what happens in that car. When he's trying to escape. He has this red button. That says go on it. When he presses that button, nitrogen enters into the engine and it makes him go faster than what a normal fuel would make him go. He gets super tough, just ah, fire. And everybody in, in the movie is like, ah, oh, wow, I want, I want that car, I want that car. It's not about the car, but it's about the NOS in the car. And our NOS as children of God. So I want us to uh, open our Bibles to Acts chapter 1. Because that's when the NOS really turned up. I want to start reading a portion of scripture that we finished with last week. (laughs) We had a five-hour service last week. I'm telling you, man. Demons were running. People were getting healed. It was all happening in here. I must tell you that you are hungry as a church. You are hungry for God. I can tell that. Right. Are you in Acts chapter 1? And we'll read from verse 4. And being assembled together with them... This is Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, 
but you shall, say you shall, be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. They misunderstood what he was saying and so don't, don't get sidetracked with the question. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Verse 7, And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons. Not for you to know the times or seasons. In church, it's not for you to know the time or what season it is. I'm just joking. Just joking. I just want to push it there just in case you're sensitive to time. It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in, to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Say the word, you shall. You shall, you shall be baptized. You shall, baptized. You shall receive power. You shall receive and you shall, be witnesses. you shall be witnesses. I'm not talking about the... Now please understand what Jesus is saying. You shall be witnesses to me. A lot of the times the evangelical gift or the, the evangelist is about witnessing about Jesus to people. Just think about what he's saying. You're a witness to me. Which means everything that I do to you and through you is evidence to me. That you are my witness. If you allow the Holy Spirit to flow through you, now you're, give, you're bearing fruit to God saying, yeah, I'm a witness to you that I've, you've allowed your Holy Spirit to flow through me. And your Holy Spirit is touching people's lives. Look at what I've got. Just think about every time the Father asks, what is the Father looking for? He's looking for fruit. He comes to the tree and he's looking for fruit. If he doesn't find fruit, he chops down the tree. It's a different, different story altogether. Don't go, don't think he's going to chop you down. So relax, relax. Just don't worry, don't worry. But my point to what I'm saying, being a witness is showing God what you've done with what he's given you. It's not about going to Mac and say, Mac, do you know what Jesus did to me? It's going to Jesus and saying, Jesus, do you know what you've done for me? Look at what you've done for me. It is through you, what you've done for me. Look at how Mac's life has changed. It's going to Jesus with a testimony. That's why we testify in church that, oh, you know, this boy, little boy was hungry and he wanted a biscuit. But he said, man shall not live on bread alone. He didn't say that, but you know what I mean. He was quoting Jesus. That is a witness to him of the transformation that has happened in his life. So, but I, wanna, I want to talk about these two you shalls. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. But you shall receive power 
When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be baptized, you shall receive power. You shall be baptized, you shall receive power. You shall be baptized, you shall receive power. So power is, is a byproduct of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life. You don't have to fast and pray to work up power. It's a natural byproduct of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So what is baptism, Pastor John? It's the, word, it's the Greek word called baptismo, which means to be completely submerged, immersed in the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, John came and baptized people in water. What's he trying to say? He's saying they had a dip. But in order for you to have power, you need to be immersed. You need to be submerged in the very power of God. You need, you, it's not, see a lot of times Christians are really happy with attending church and going to church and just coming back home and know there's no transformation. Wow, I just experienced a little bit of God and that's good enough for the week. But there's a difference between having a dip and being absolutely submerged in the power of God submerged in the power of God submerged in the power of God so the title of my message today is super power right? super power it's going to be fun I can tell you it is going to be a wild ride today super power Everybody has power. We have. You know, our, he says that you shall be baptized. You shall receive power. He didn't say you will work for it. He says you shall, which means he is, will do it for you. It's a work of grace. The baptism of the Holy Spirit and, the, and you receiving the power of the Holy Spirit is a work of grace. Say grace. It's not something that you should strive for. It's something you should believe for. Jesus says, wait in Jerusalem. He didn't say go fast. He didn't say go pray. He says wait. I like waiting. I really do like waiting. Because it enables me to develop patience. A lot of us don't like waiting. We want instant Press the phone, call now. <laughs> I need food now. Yeah. We're instant. Don't like waiting. Jesus says, go wait. And he says, not many days from now, which means they have to wait for many days. <laughs> it's not like Jesus makes it easy. He makes it easy for us at times. But sometimes the flesh makes it difficult. He said, just go wait. Don't do anything. Just wait for me. I'm coming. It says, you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You shall receive power. Sometimes waiting could be a difficult thing for someone who has an issue with control. With the Holy Spirit, you have to lose control. 
You know, I, uh, when I was preparing this, the Lord, um, I, was, I was praying. I was like, God, just give me an example so that people will get it. And he showed me a cucumber. <laughs> I was like, what are, you, what are you showing me, Lord? And then I, as I looked at the cucumber, <laughs> it started changing color. It started changing its shape. And then I saw a cucumber in a jar. He says, dill cucumber. Indians love pickle, but this is not the pickle that we're talking about. When you look at a cucumber, it's green, hopefully. It has its own texture, its own flavor. It has its own characteristics. But when you take that cucumber and you put it in a dill solution, which is like full of, not the Indian spices, but you know, salt, sugar, vinegar, uh, and a bit of extra chili in it, which is for love. Um, you make the solution and you dip, you, you don't dip the cucumber in it, you just submerge it and you soak it and you put a lid on it. That cucumber has no other option but to wait in that solution. Because when you surrender your life to Jesus, you really, there's no more choices for you. He makes the choices. That's why he says, you shall. And so when we understand what it means that to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, Jesus is saying, I want to take you and I want to submerge you in the solution called the power of God. When I submerge you in the power of God, just wait there till I open the lid. Because that cucumber begins to, even though it has its own nature, it has its own characteristics, it begins to, this, this solution that it's put in, begins to infiltrate, it begins to get into the skin, and then into the flesh, and then into the seeds, and then all the way into it, and it comes out of it till the cucumber begins to taste like the solution. And sometimes we come to church and we want to dip and not being submerged. We, God wants us to be submerged in the presence of God. To be, to be saturated, to be marinated in the presence of God. So that when the time comes, he removes the lid and he says, Okay, now John has become, there's more of, John, more of my spirit, there's more of my power than the flesh in John. So now let me take him and start using him. And when, when God begins to use you and me, we don't taste like the world. We don't taste like the flesh. But he says, oh, taste and see that the... To, be, to, to come into a church and expect God to do things very fast is really not biblical. Joshua waited... In the presence of God. Moses failed because he was in a hurry. Come on now. Moses could not enter the promised land because he struck a, he struck a rock because he was upset. But Joshua was chosen 
Because he waited. He waited in the presence of God. While Moses went into God to get a prophetic word for the people of Israel, Joshua stayed because he loved the presence. See, and a lot of us want something from God. That's why we come to church. But if you want him, it doesn't matter. There's no other agenda. There's no other plan. There's no other purpose except I just want you, Jesus. I want more of you and less of me. More of you, less of me. More of you in my life. More of you in my language. More of you in my body. More of you amongst my friends. More of you at work. More of you when I'm hanging out in, with, with people in church. More of you when I'm hanging out with the, with the friends of the world. More of you in my life and less of me. And we need to be okay with being less. Oh, no, no, no. I, I need to be prim and proper. I need, to be, I need to conduct myself because God is not a God that is out of order. He is full of order. I want to encourage you to read the Bible again. Like really, read the Bible when they, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they came out, the people thought they were drunk. They were not drunk. But the people thought they were drunk. Because the Holy, they, they stood in this room and the presence of God came and the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit came and it, it completely took a control of them to a point where now they had no control over their body and the Holy Spirit did whatever he wanted. And let me tell you something, the impact of that. 3,000 people got saved in a day. One, con one message of condemnation. Come on, man. It wasn't even a grace message. It was a message. You killed Jesus. <laughs> it wasn't a feel-good message. He was challenging them. And he spoke to them in their language. How about that? 3,000. What a service. For 12 disciples to baptize 3,000 people. Oh my goodness, you need glory for that one. I baptized 26 people the last time and I was praying for my back afterwards. 3,000 people? You want to talk church growth? No internet. No social media posts. No SoundCloud. Absolutely nothing. Brother, if you're hungry, if you want to know about Jesus, someone should have told you about Jesus. Come on now. I love that way. To me, there's more value with personal testimony than me listening to somebody on YouTube or me listening to somebody on, on, on uh, you know, uh, one of those, you know, I, I really, I just want to tell you this. No, no, I want to tell you this. Do you know those, those forwards? There's motivational, you know, even though they use it from the Bible and they stand it, they have absolutely no power. They have no power. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit did not tell you that first. So don't send it to somebody because it's a nice word. Read your Bible. Read your own Bible. And when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, take that word. Because it's changed your life, right? Take that word and send it to people. Because it's come from a personal testimony. Has more power. Now I'm not beating on people who do this. And you know, our church also sometimes 
used to. Uh, <laughs> put Facebook posts and we don't do any of, I don't remember the last time we did anything with Facebook, but, but I'm just trying to tell you, if the word has changed your life, use it. Because it will bring transformation to someone else's life. If it has not and you feel good about it, just keep it. Please, just keep it. Don't send it to me also. Please don't send it to me. Because I won't read it. Because I've got enough. I've got enough of God to, be, to read. Something that does not change your life has no power to change mine. How do I know your life is changed? Because when I met you yesterday, you were one way. And if I meet you today, and if you don't resemble Jesus, we have a problem. We have a problem. A problem is, just like God, you're the same yesterday. <laughs> There's certain aspects of you that don't seem to change. It's like when you hang out with the Christians, it's like, it's like you pretend to be holy. And then you keep church and world separate. Keep the world separate. But then suddenly, somehow, because of social media, they found out you were in church. And now the expectations gone up now, all of a sudden. See, you can be naturally holy or put it on. I would prefer to be naturally holy. Because it's a supernatural ability of Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. Let's try to not fake being holy. Let's try not to fake being a Christian. Just let's be a Christian. And with it comes super benefits, man. Super benefits. So, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall receive power... When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I'm going to give you two definitions of power, okay? Just write this down. The Holy Spirit is the power of God. That's not the definition. But power is defined as... Are you writing? Okay. Power is defined as the ability to act effectively. Power is the ability, this is God's power, he has the power to act effectively. What do I mean by that? In Genesis chapter 1, when we see God in, in, in doing creation, <laughs> I was trying to get a word for it. <laughs> when we see God creating in the book of Genesis, we, we see that the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, please pay attention now, the Holy Spirit hovered over the earth, the waters of the deep, right? He was hovering over the earth and God said, let there be light. And there was? Right. And then he said the light was? It was? Good. So which means when God spoke, the Holy Spirit created it and it was effective. It was good. How do I know it's effective? Let's go outside and have a look. If the light is still there. It's effective. It still works. It's still present. I mean, God created the animals and he said it was good. Are they still around? They're multiplying sometimes. Too much 
compared to other ones. We want cow, sheep, but the chickens seem to be multiplying a lot more. <laughs> we want the cows, especially from Japan, from a region called Wagyu. And oh my gosh, they're really good. We want them to make more of them and, and they're, they're holding back the power of God from multiplying this. <laughs> Are these chickens, man, tell you. So when God saw that everything was good, he rested. God is a good God and he makes things according to his nature. He will not make something that is destructive. So if you look at the destruction in your life, it's not because of God. It's because you've allowed the destroyer to come and destroy. Are you with me? So, so we see that when, when, when we look at the Holy Spirit, we see that he, he has a power. He has such a power that he can take something that is invisible and make it visible. Pay attention now. The Holy Spirit is such power that he can take something that is in the mind of God, that God spoke and make it visible according, my God, according to its cellular structure. Do you understand? It's, it's, he is so powerful that he can take something that is in God's mind that God spoke. Let there be light. But God did not say how many rays in light. But God knew how many rays were going to be in light. What was the speed of light? Everything. But the Holy Spirit in an instant. That's the power of God. Anybody feel gifted? Are you sure? There's this power now. The Holy Spirit can take something that is invisible and make it visible. Has absolutely, he doesn't even need you. The Holy Spirit can take something that is on God's mind about you. Oh, come on, man. Every promise that God has spoken, everything that God has in mind for you and you and you and you, the Holy Spirit has the power now to take what is in God's mind and manifest it in your life. And everything he makes is effective. Effective. Okay? The second thing. The power of God is the capacity to direct or influence. This is where people have a problem. Okay? This, this point. Power is the capacity to direct or influence the behavior of others or the course of events. The capacity to direct or influence the behavior of others or the course of events. He has the capacity to direct others or the course of events. In Luke chapter 1, we see Mary, just being Mary, was visited by an angel. How many of you know the Christmas story? Gabriel comes and visits Mary and he comes there with a 
word. And he tells Mary, in Luke chapter 1, he tells Mary, Mary, God has chosen you to be the one who will give, to carry Jesus and bring him into the world. And then he says, in, I think it's in verse 35, he says this. He says, when you say yes, I'm paraphrasing that part, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you it's the same word as hover, or the, the Spirit hovered over the water. It's that same word. It says the Holy Spirit will come upon you, will overshadow you, and the power of the Most High God will come upon you and you will conceive a child. Can I challenge your religion a little bit? Can I do it? Okay. I think this, this side has a lot more faith than the other side. Please... This is not heresy, this is in the Bible. Just warning you now itself. But you must understand the, the, the power of God. You must understand what it, what, it, what it can do. When Mary said, yes, be it unto me according to your word, the Holy Spirit came upon Mary, but the power of God took the fullness of the Godhead and made him into a man. Please listen to me very carefully. You might think, what? God? Yeah, God became a man. How did he become a man? He has the power to become a man. But the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that the, that the, that the, um, that the, that the, power of the Godhead, the fullness, not talking about little bit, not a touch, not a dip, the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in Jesus in bodily form. Come on now. So the Holy Spirit has the power to take this God, this uncreated God, the fullness of God. And make him as small as a seed. Come on. Come on. It came to Mary in the mouth of Gabriel. The seed. The power of the Holy Spirit merged Mary and Jesus together. And the Holy Spirit now did not need a man. The Holy Spirit did not, need, uh, uh, did not need Mary to eat the right fruit and vegetables. Do you understand? Stay away from raw fish and do this and all rubbish. But, but the Holy Spirit now, the power, please listen to me. The power of the Holy Spirit could take God and make him into a single cell. And then he could take God and make him into two cells and three cells and four cells. Into a billion cells, into a grown man. The power of the Holy Spirit. He is so powerful that he can take God himself and make him into a cell. Holy Spirit. The same Spirit. That same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and me. 
The same spirit. The same Holy Spirit. I want you to go to John chapter 16. Are you okay with a little bit of teaching today? I'm going to make you run through the Bible. In this church, we don't do um, Bible on the screen. We want you to carry this awesome book. Bring your Bible to church. John chapter 16. And we'll read from verse 5. Are you there? But now, this is Jesus speaking to the disciples and he says, But now I go away to him who sent me and none of you asks me, Where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. You must understand, this power now, the power of God is a helper. Oh, no. The power of God... That takes the fullness of God and makes him into cellular form is your helper. No, it's not hit you properly. No, as in it's not sunk into you properly. (laughs) Just think about it. The power of God, I'll repeat myself again. The power of God to make God a cell is your helper. 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 What storm are you going through in your life? He's your helper right now. Do you think a storm has a power? Come on. Even a cell. Jesus says, if your faith is as big as a mustard seed, you can move mountains. Oh my gosh, what are we talking about? What storm are we asking for prayer? Why are we asking for healing? Pray, please, Pastor, please pray for me. You know, I'm, I'm sick in my body. <laughs> cell. A cell. God became a cell. Something that you could not even see with your eyes. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, that power is your helper. Why do you need a pastor, man, to pray for you? When you have the helper who is all-powerful living on the inside of you. The question is, do you know this helper? If, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. In verse 8. And this is what this power does. Are you okay? Yeah. This is what the power of God does. Okay? Yeah. We think the power of God is for miracles. But before the miracles, this is what he does. And, he, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Now let me explain this to you. There, there, there are three things now that the, that the, that the Holy Spirit does. Okay? Yeah. Three things that he does. The first thing is that he convinces. The word convict over there can have a negative connotation because we think convicts are in jail. 
Okay, the word convict, or, or convict over there is the word um, to convince. Okay, it's the same word. So the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit convinces the world of sin. Jesus says, of sin because they do not believe me. He's not talking about pornography and all of that stuff. He's talking about they plain don't believe Jesus. They just don't believe. There are people in church that, that believe in the church and the doctrines and, the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and denominationalism and all of that stuff more than they believe Jesus. There's a problem because sin is in the church. Come on now. We have sinners in the church. That when we say Jesus is in this room, they're looking. They don't believe. When we say the power of the Holy Spirit is in this room. And some people start laughing under the power of the Holy Ghost. We look at the laughing and we're going, no, no, no. This is all made up, man. We see people falling under the power of God and we're like, ah, no, no. This is pushing ministry. Pushing, pushing. And see, see, the problem here is that you're in sin and you don't even know it. And the wages of sin, my dear brother and sister, is death. It's decay. You can be saved but still be in sin. But it's very plain. God comes to the world to convince the world that they don't believe in Jesus. Sometimes we need to preach messages in our church so that people can actually believe Jesus. It's sad. We're giving altar calls in church for people who've been coming to church for years. And we've been putting up our hand every, every time that music starts, you know. Mm. And, the, and the tone of the voice goes, do you believe? <laughs> Lift up your hand if you, if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I'm questioning, how can a dead man lift his hand up? Because we were dead in our trespasses. We, there was so much of sin that we were dead. Dead, dead, dead. dead. But we need, the, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit to convince us that we're sinners. So if you're in this room and you're convinced you're a sinner, first thing, I want to ask you if you're a Christian. <laughs> Secondly, do you know your Bible? Because the Bible says that he who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So he convicts, convinces the world, convinces the world of sin. And then he convinces you and I of righteousness. Oh, come on now. He convinces you that you're righteous. Why? Because you can't see Jesus. See, as long as you can see Jesus, you believe you're righteous. But blessed are those who do not believe, but do not see, but yet believe. So the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit now, convinces you that you are righteous. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You don't have to work yourself up into righteousness. You wake up in the morning going, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. That only happens because of the power of the Holy Spirit in you. That's, how, that's the evidence. These are evidences that the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit is in your life. 
A lot of the times we look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit and we say, yes, brother, you're speaking in tongues. That means the Holy Spirit is in you. But then you're not producing fruit. You're not producing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Sometimes we have parents that are, that are so religious that we think that, that the law is the way to go forward. And we rule and reign our kids. When that's exactly what Jesus came to pay a price for. When he came to pay a price for that, now because of the Holy Spirit in you as a parent, your children experience perfect love. Perfect joy. My God, it would be so awesome for parents to be full of joy, man. I wish there was a tablet that we could give, a joy pill. Just for them to have a pill of that thing and just, my gosh, you're happy. You be, be, be full of joy. You know, you wake up in the morning depressed. Go to sleep depressed. Your kids are looking at you going, depressed. This is what I need to be. Because your kids mimic you exactly. But if you're not a perfect representation of your father in heaven, who is love, joy, peace. Well, it's pure evidence that the Holy Spirit is not moving in your life. The power of the Holy Spirit is not moving in your life. How many of you believe you need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? It's not a trick question. God is looking at your hand. If you're alive and you need the power of the Holy Spirit, put your hand up. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. So he convinces you that you are right standing with God. The power of the Holy Spirit convinces you that you are right standing with God. How many believe that you are right standing with God? For those of you who are not putting up your hand, you just need the Holy Spirit, brother. <laughs> Either that or I'm too fast for you. Right. So then the last thing that he does, not the last thing, but you know, on the list, the last thing. He convinces you, and this is my favorite. He convinces you that the devil is judged. He convinces you that the devil is judged. <laughs> By your expression, I know that the devil is not judged in, in that section over here. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit convinces you that the devil is judged on that cross. <laughs> I'm going to stand here, man. I, I, you guys, there's a lot of unbelief over that side. The devil is judged. <laughs> There's no competition in the presence of God, but I just want to tell you. There's a reason why you did it, because it shows your faith. And, and it really, I'm really going into that part now of the, of the word. So when you have the power of the, of the Holy Spirit, you're baptized, you're submerged, the power of the Holy Spirit is in you. The first thing he does is convinces you that you're not a sinner. You're a believer. And then he convinces you that you are right with God. You wake up, you go for a movie, you watch a movie and you come back home, you're still right with God. You're in your car and a secular song comes up and you sing along with it, you're still right with God. <laughs> Come on, preach it. Wow. <laughs> you, want, you want me to go a little bit? <laughs> I had the most amazing childhood. You know, I completely misunderstood them and I rebelled against them, but only to rebound back to them. 
Only to realize that what they were saying, they had the best interest in mind for me. You know, and if you're a child in this room and, and your parents have put certain boundaries, learn to, if you don't want, the, you don't enjoy those boundaries, learn to enjoy honor. Honor your mom and dad. Because they didn't go to mom and dad's school to raise you up. There's no degree for mom and dad. There's no the, the, theology degree and all of that. You can't get biblical divination of mom and dad. You know what I mean? They learn on the go. And don't hold them for mistakes that they make. Just learn to honor them with, with or without all the mistakes. It's important. Because you'll never learn to honor and trust the sovereignty of God in your life if you don't learn to honor and trust the responsibility your mom and dad has over your life. It's important. It's important. So saying that, he convinces you to believe in Jesus. He convinces you that you are righteous. And he convinces you that the devil is already judged. There's no more power. He has no power over you. So let's open our Bibles, if we can. We are already opened, but we'll open to another passage, Mark chapter 5. I want to show you the power of God being demonstrated. <laughs> I'm so hungry for the word, man. You know, I prayed for this church. My mom and dad prayed for this church before this church even existed. I prayed for a move of God that man cannot control. I prayed for a move of God that is so powerful that will change the whole world. I prayed for it. Prayed for it. You're part of it. You're part of it. Right. Now, the context of this um, chapter is Jesus sets a demon-possessed man free. Right, with the legion of demons and then he, he, he's moving through another town and then a huge crowd begins to follow Jesus. Okay? And you'll understand now why crowds followed Jesus. Okay? Someone say power. power. And then he's moving through these crowds and a Jewish officer breaks through the crowd and comes and falls at Jesus' feet and he says, Jesus, can you please heal my 12-year-old daughter? Okay, so Jesus is like, okay, brother, I'll come with you. And he goes, as he's walking with Jesus, he, there's a story. So you must understand, Jesus is going to heal someone. Okay, because faith asked him to demonstrate power. Okay, so, so here, here's where, I'm going to read this in the Passion Translation, because it's phenomenal. Okay, now, verse 25, now in the crowd that day, was a woman who had suffered horribly from a continual bleeding for 12 years. Let's talk about prophetic coincidence. He's going to heal a 12-year-old girl, and a woman has an issue of blood for 12 years. 26, she had endured a great deal under the care of various doctors, yet in spite of spending all she had on their treatments, she was not getting better, but worse. Verse 27, when she heard about Jesus' healing power, she pushed through the crowd and came up from behind him and touched his prayer shawl. Some of you, your Bibles may say the hem of his garment. 
but it's the, it's the prayer shawl, the talit. For she kept saying to herself, if only I could touch his clothes, I know I will be healed. As soon as her hand touched him, her bleeding stopped immediately. As soon as her hand touched him, her bleeding immediately stopped. She knew it. For she could feel her body instantly being healed of her disease. 30. Jesus knew at once that someone had touched him for he felt the power that always surged around him had passed through him for someone to be healed. He turned and spoke to the crowd saying, Who touched my clothes? His disciples answered, What do you mean? Who touched you? Look at this huge crowd. They are all pressing up against you. But Jesus' eyes swept across the crowd looking for the one who had touched him for healing. When the woman who had experienced this miracle realized what had just happened to her, she came before him trembling with fear and threw herself down at his feet saying, I was the one who touched you. And she told him her story and what had just happened. Verse 34, then Jesus said to her daughter, because you dared to believe, 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 your faith has made you well. Go in peace, go with peace in your heart and be free from your suffering. I want to highlight to you two things in this, in this passage of scripture. It's a familiar scripture to us and, and it's been preached many times, but I just want to draw your attention to two things about the power of God. Okay? The first thing is that Jesus knew that there was a power surge in him and around him. We're talking about power. You can say, John, Jesus is God. He has the ability. No. Jesus was fully God, fully man. Just like you and me. You and I have the ability to know the power of God on the inside of us and the power that surges out of us. I want to give you the definition of the meaning of the word surge. Okay, Surge, S-U-R-G-E. It means a sudden, powerful, forward or upward movement especially by a crowd or by a natural force such as a tide. So which means when, when Jesus was experiencing a surge of power, it was not when the woman touched him. He was already moving because the power of God in him was moving him. When the Jewish chief came to him and asked him for prayer, the power of Holy Spirit in Jesus moved him. Oh. Okay, let me, let me put a pause on that for now. When Jesus was baptized in the river Jordan, it says that the, the, the Holy Spirit descended upon him and then the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted. Why did the Holy Spirit lead Jesus into the wilderness? Is because you have no power over something that overpowers you. So now he takes you to be tempted by the very thing that has power over you so that you can overpower it. So when you overpower it now, 
You can walk around and anything that overpowers other people, you have power over it. But the literal reading in the Greek construction uh, could be translated that the power that keeps going out of him went from him. The power that keeps going out of him went from him. Which means Jesus now was not, did not choose to go heal the sick. <laughs> We're talking about the power of God. Why does Katrin Kuhlman have to do that? The power. When you have the power of God living on the inside of you and you're fully submitted to the power, the power begins to take you. It begins to lead you. It's a surge. It's like, it's like, have you ever stood at a beach in the water when there's, the waves are crashing? Four people in the room? Yeah, now awesome. Wow. <laughs> right. You, you stood on the beach and now the wave comes and crashes you. And you're like, oh, wow, love the wave. The waves are beautiful. And there's a, there's a power that moves you back. But then there's another power that begins to pull you into the ocean. And you're standing there now and you feel this thrust of power into the, into the ocean. That's what a surge is. A surge is a movement of the Holy Spirit. It's the movement of the power of God. It's when God's Holy Spirit begins to move without your permission. And a lot of the times we've, we've slammed the move of the Holy Spirit and we've said, this is not of God. This church does not have this Holy Spirit speaking in tongues, all that kind of stuff. It cannot have it. And you have a dead church. But when you have the Holy Spirit in your church, you have no control over the people. You have no control over what happens on stage. You have no control over the time. In fact, every time you get into the presence of God or you experience a gathering of believers, you are literally raptured into eternity. What we experience in worship is what heaven is like. You're experiencing heaven on earth. You're experiencing eternity. This is what we gave our life for. It's not to run away and go to heaven. It's to experience heaven on earth. But a surge for Jesus. The power of God in him is literally moving. It's literally moving him. It's moving his flesh. It's moving him. Constantly, every time. So every time somebody has a need, they come to Jesus. Just power, the power of the Holy Spirit. The, the power of the Holy Spirit is the combined power of God in a person. And you think you decide to pray for people? You thought you healed the sick? <laughs> you thought you were casting out demons? Brother, if you remove the Holy Spirit from you, you are nothing but dust. Nothing but dust. I'm, I'm so glad you're clapping for the Holy Spirit, right? You're not clapping for dust. Yeah. There was such a glorious power that was in Jesus. Please listen to me now. 
It was in Jesus and it was around him. We're talking about being effective, right? This power has the ability to draw people to Jesus. Do you know this church has grown without social media and all of that stuff? And I'm not against it. Please, there's a purpose to it. But church growth is not it. It's a tool of testifying. It's not a tool of inviting. <clears throat> church grows because of the power of God. Because it is the power of God that draws you. How did you come here? How did you come here? What convinced you to come here? You think you decided, you thought your, your kids made you come to church because of kids' church. No, brother, no, sister. God used your kids to convince you to come here today. The power of God was looking for the woman. The power of God was moving Jesus and the power of God was looking for a person who had faith. There are days when in our church services like today where I just don't want to do anything. I just want to worship Jesus. Please don't disturb me. But I understand that there is a purpose for you being here today. God brought you here today. You might think you decided, but God brought you here today. Just think about Jesus. Just think about a man. How, how loud do you think a man can speak? That everyone in a multitude, multitude, you're talking about multitudes. Yeah. Multitudes followed Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. How did he follow Jesus? It because of the testimonies of Jesus healing people went from mouth to mouth. The same way that Gabriel spoke to Mary. This woman in verse 27, it says that she heard about Jesus healing. And she said to herself. I wonder who was that said to herself. Sorry, forgive me for my English, but I'm trying to divide the sentence. <laughs> I wonder who in, in, in her or around her was giving her that thought. Think about it. She's bleeding for 12 years. Socially unaccepted. What convinces this woman to crawl through a crowd of a multitude not 15 people, a multitude. When you understand convincing, <laughs> when we say faith, when we're talking about faith, faith is, the, is a Greek word, it's called pistis. It means to be divinely persuaded. When the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you, about your condition, it begins to say, well, there's Jesus. 
Jesus is the one that can heal you, but then he tells you how to do it. Completely against social standards. And then he says, get on your feet, on your knees, and just touch the hem of his garment. If you can touch the hem of his garment, you will be healed. And that thought stuck in her mind, and she convinced herself to do it. It's called faith. But now you must understand, Jesus now is walking around with a surge of power. Around him, there's power coming in and out, in and out, in and out. And the power does not even ask Jesus for permission. Just looking for the one who has faith. In a crowd, in a multitude, his disciples were around him. Did not even get an ounce of power. Do you understand? You can come to church and have zero faith. And walk away exactly the same. Or you can come into church full of faith. And the power of God that is in this room. Will look for you. Does not even need the pastor's permission. The power of God is surging in this room. He's surging for you. Oh man. Just absolute power. The power of God in a man is not stopped by a man. Does not need a man's permission. If you have faith for your miracle. If you have faith for your breakthrough, if the Holy Spirit convinced you to come here today, just lean in into the in faith. Just lean into the Holy Spirit. Lean into that power. Lean into that that surging power that is in Jesus in this room. You must understand that this is the body of Christ. This is where the Spirit dwells. His spirit is here. The power of God is here. You can just lean into the Holy Spirit. And you can say, if I can only touch the hem of his garment, you're sitting in his chair. It's even better. You're not just hanging around the fringes of the church. If I could just touch the curtain in this church, I will be healed. But it's faith. But you're doing way better. You're sitting on a chair. I don't know if you're seeing what I'm seeing. You're doing way better than the woman with the issue of blood. But the power of God is attracted to faith. But it's not just faith that is knowledge. It's activated faith. Faith that is activated by the spirit of God because of the word she believed. She believed Jesus would heal her. And then she convinced herself to go and touch the hem of his garment. And Jesus, man, I'm telling you, if Christians could only experience the power of God. If you could only experience this ability to do things effectively. The power of God. If you can only experience it. It is more addictive than any drug that you've ever experienced in your life. It is so powerful. Let me give you another example. The the power of God is so powerful that when... When the three Hebrew friends were thrown into the fiery furnace in the book of Daniel. Please listen to me. They just, by faith, they said, I will not worship that idol. By faith, I will not do what religion says. By faith, I will not do what is normal in society. What is normal in church denominationalism. I will not do it. I worship God. I worship Yahweh. When they made that decision, they were taken and 
they were taken and thrown into a furnace that was heated seven times more. In fact, the people who were not supernatural really con got consumed by the fire. But when these guys were thrown into the fire, they came later to check to see if there was any remains of the barbecue. They saw what looked like the Son of Man. There was a power in that furnace. Even though it was seven times more, there was a power that was greater than the power that they were in that moment. I don't know what you're going through in your life. I don't care what law has power over you. There is a power. There is a power that is greater. There's a power than, greater than the words your parents spoke over you. There is a power that is greater than unforgiveness. There is power that is greater than anything that people can do over you. In fact, the Bible says, Great is he that is in me than he that is in the world. There's a greater power that resides on the inside of you. But you must understand that the power of God is attracted to faith. Faith is believing God. If you believe Jesus, you're the target. Some of us really need to believe that we're targets of the Holy Spirit. I'm a target of the Holy Spirit. I'm a target of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, target me, me, me. Not because I need more money. I just want you. I just want more of you, God. It's amazing. It's amazing. So the first thing is that <clears throat> whew, Jesus knew that there was a power surge around him. Oh. And the second thing is that the power of God is attracted to faith in a person. Man, these disciples, they followed Jesus day and night. And it was only after Jesus was resurrected that they received power. They could have been full of faith. But they were faithless. That's why Jesus says, well, it's good that I go. God is looking for faith. God is looking for faith. <laughs> a lot of times, we treat God like he's a man. You know, in, in, in the book of Luke, he talks about the persistent widow. And it's been preached, you have to persist. You have to persist. Ask God, keep asking. Jesus is comparing the difference between somebody who's natural. You know, those lawyers, the doctors, all those people that you have to keep begging. God's really not like that. I want to show you something very interesting. Luke 18. You know the story of the persistent widow. <clears throat> I, want, I want us to read from verse 6. 
Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. This is the unjust judge. And shall not God avenge his own elect <clears throat> who cry out day and night to him though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? It's very interesting here. He's showing you the contradiction or the contrast between the unjust judge and God the Father. And he's saying to the, while he's sharing the story, he said, don't you think that this man, even though she persists, he will eventually say yes to her because he doesn't want transformation. He just wants to get rid of her. But he's saying, God, your father is not like that. But he's saying, God, your father, when his children cry out to him, he answers them speedily. But here's the recipe for him to answer speedily. <laughs> Are you with me? When the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? So power for a miracle to happen very fast needs faith. Faith that you don't decide you have faith. Faith that God activates through his word. So if the word of God, if you believe the word of God, it activates faith that is dormant in your life. Every single human being on the planet, God has given faith. But when the Holy Spirit activates the faith, it attracts the power of God. When the Holy Spirit activates faith in your life, it attracts the power of God speedily. Speedily. I like those suddenlies and speedilies in the Bible. Some of us don't like the waiting, but some of us like the speedilies and the suddenlies. We want that. But you see, God is giving us the context of how he works. How his power works. His power does not work by begging and pleading and asking. A lot of times we do that. Well, God, please let me pass in my exam. God, please, please, I, please, Lord, please give me a job. Please, God. Tomorrow, next day, I mean the next day, God, please give me a job. God, I'll fast. I'll pray, God. I'll do anything for you, God. Please, God, please. 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 <laughs> You're laughing because, you know, you have prayed prayers like this in desperation. Do you think your God is a man? Why are you praying to him like he's a man? When you, when you know your identity in Christ, that you are righteousness, you are right with God, you are right standing with God, you just need to speak once. God is not dumb. That you have to keep repeating over and over and over again. He understands the first time you said it. But you know, my mom used to repeat it to me over and over again. All the time. Every time. Clean your bed. Clean your room. Mom, it's not cool. <laughs> clean your room, clean your bed. See, persist. So we think God our Father is like that. But he's saying it's unjust yeah. to be like a man. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 
Justice is served when you have faith. Justice is served. He speedily moves when you believe him. When you receive a word and you believe the promises of God in your life, he moves. The power of God is attracted to faith. Are you with me? I want you to go to um, Luke, uh, sorry, Acts chapter 5. <clears throat> Acts chapter 5. Holy Spirit. If you want to see how the Holy Spirit's power is demonstrated, read the book of Acts. It's absolutely phenomenal. <clears throat> I want to read from verse 12. <coughs> verse 12 says, And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. Among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Not porch, porch. <laughs> Yet, verse 13, yet none, <laughs> none, none of the rest dared to join them. Let me read it again because I think we just completely. <laughs> and through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. <laughs> yet none of the rest dared to join them because the people esteemed them highly verse 14 says and believers not converts believers were increasingly added to the very interesting statement isn't it not to the church not to a building not to a denomination it was being added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on the beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from surrounding cities to Jerusalem bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits and here's the word and they were all healed. All healed. There's enough power in you for multitudes to be healed. Amen. Not just in Pastor John. There's enough of power. They all gathered together in one accord. In Life Church Global. They were all in one accord waiting in Desert Palm. They started bringing the sick. People, normal people, did not want to go near them because they esteemed them highly. What are they esteeming? They could not come close to them because of the power, the surge of power around them. But yet, they had enough faith. Listen to me very carefully. They had enough faith that while Peter is walking down the road that if a shadow falls on the sick they will get healed 
It's that same shadow that overshadowed Mary. It's that same shadow that hovered over the waters. You must understand that God does not need permission to use your body. Neither does he need permission to use your shadow. What brought these people to the disciples was the power of God that went into the neighboring the neighboring cities a lot of times we focus on on promoting ourselves and I, I i don't have a problem with people doing it but my heart my heart this is kelsey and me our heart is that i don't need to promote myself i don't need people to see how awesome my life is i don't need to promote it in order for you to think that god is doing something in my life if you want to know that God is doing something in my life, just stay where you are. And the power of God that is on our life will bring you to this church. Do you understand? All of us sitting in this room, at one point in, in, in your life, you said, God, I want more of you. This is an answer to your prayer. This gathering of believers is like Solomon's Porsche. <laughs> Porsche. His Porsche. Ah. You know what I mean. It's prophetic. Any Solomon in the room? Any Solomon? Solomon? Oh, you all receive Porsches. Receive it. So. <laughs> must understand what is happening in the room right now God's power does not even need John to say thus says the Lord <laughs> touch Ooh, all of that none of that none of that because you came in because you walk through these doors the power of God was leaving touching coming back touching someone else he responds to faith the power is attracted to faith now please listen to me it's the same power the power that made God as small as a cell that same power is in this room right now that same power wait this is the best part same power is in you. The same power. A lot of the times we lay hands on the sick and we say, yes, we're going to lay hands on you and you're going to receive the power of the Holy Ghost. Brother, I did not decide to give you the power of the Holy Ghost. The power of the Holy Ghost decided to bring you so that you can get the power of the Holy Ghost. Do you understand? I remember being in a, in a meeting one day and I'm sharing this not to spook you out but I just wanted to share with you the power of God. There's a man with many demons in him that was dragged in to my mom and dad's house. It was a church service and he was dragged in. And every time, now he did not have any chains on him but I could hear 
because I was looking. I was a little boy at that time. I was looking. See, I grew up in a very supernatural environment. You cannot tell me that the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the power of God doesn't work. <laughs> I grew up where... Anyway, don't worry about it. I can freak you out. But this man was so full of demons and he was bound by them that even though he did not have any chains on him, when he moved, you could hear chains. I was a little boy, five, six year old at that time. They brought him in a little rickshaw and they, he was biting himself. He was biting people and matted hair all over. Brought him into the house. My dad looked at him and he looked at me. He says, go into the room. <laughs> I don't want you to see this. But you know, I disobeyed my dad. That's why I'm telling you the story. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> and my dad said... This is the time, my dad, okay? This is God's time, not your time. You sit in the corner till I deal with you. We're going to have church now. Must understand power. So we had church. He didn't make a noise. He sat there till the church service was over. We hugged everybody, had some tea, did everything that we need to do. When the people left, my father said, bring him here now. You leave. Started manifesting, doing all the stuff. And like the Bible says, he became right in his mind. He had no clue what happened. He didn't even know where he was. But that day, power was demonstrated. Do you understand? power of God was demonstrated. You know, faith looks like something. It's not just only believing. It's also trusting God. How much do you trust the power of God? But I want you to understand that there comes a level in your or a maturity in your relationship with God where you learn to trust God with everything everything and you never give up never give up let me give you an example of what that looks like Jesus although he was God fully God fully man he says you cannot take my life I give my life you know why he said it because he trusted that the Holy Spirit was so full of power. Please listen to me very carefully. We have to come into this maturity in our relationship with God. That I trust God's power. The power of I trust his power. He is so powerful that even if I die, he will raise me back from life. Bring me back to life. You must come into this place. Jesus says, I came to die, man. But I can, in an instant, I can call down angels and they will just wipe this whole thing, clean the slate up and we'll start all over again. But he said, that's not the reason why I came. I came to lay down my life so that the Holy Spirit can resurrect me. Jesus, fully God, fully man, died. 
he lost he gave in to death willingly to demonstrate to you and me that the power of the holy spirit is real Amen. that same spirit that raised jesus from the dead lives in you and me and gives life to your mortal bodies that same spirit that same spirit and paul in the book of philippians says oh all i want to know is jesus and the power i want to know jesus and the power of his resurrection paul says i'm looking forward to die why because i want to experience what jesus experienced it's not a good wish to have because you you can do more good when you're alive than dead but you can experience the resurrection power of jesus and still live Amen. and still live a lot of people's love a lot of people love martyrdom and there's a place for it and this is not the church for it god has called this church to live and be a testimony of his goodness but at the same time at the same time there's so many things that we can die to in this world the first thing is you need to die to yourself pick up your cross and follow him